Hello everyone, welcome to the Transmission Line podcast from Samtech, where we talk about all things connectors. We are your hosts, my name is Dave. I'm Matt. And if you've been around the connector industry for any amount of time, the name of Bishop, and specifically the Bishop Report, should be familiar to you. But I'm sure many of us will, will know only a fraction of what it is that, that Bishop and Associates get up to. And to find out more, we are joined today by a man whose job is, it is literally to keep his finger on the pulse of the interconnect industry. So Bob Holt from Bishops. Bob, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Morning. It's a great opportunity to be here with you. Fantastic. And, and I'm sure there's a, a ton of subjects that we could just dive straight into and lose ourselves in. But let's start with, I suppose, the simplest and most important question. Can you give us a little idea of, of how Bishop and Associates came about? And, and what it does. Certainly. Um, actually, Ron Bishop uh, started Bishop and Associates in 1985. After having been in the industry quite a while himself, I believe he was with Molex for quite a while. And um, it's based in Chicago, uh, although employees are scattered throughout the U.S. and in Europe. And um, basically, our, our mission is to provide comprehensive market research specifically for the electronic connector industry. So we're pretty much a, a niche of a niche, and it gives us a, a real tight focus on this one particular market segment of electronic connectors, which gives us the ability to go in pretty good depth. And uh, so we track, uh, report, and report bookings and billings by product segment and region of the world uh, via a monthly, uh, what's called a Bishop Report, which analyzes 13 market segments uh, through 120 companies. And we also offer a five-year market forecast with compound annual growth rates. So in addition, we do a number of other publications. Um, we do an analysis of top 100 global connector manufacturers. Uh, we track mergers and acquisition activity and um, industry profitability. And we also publish a monthly newsletter called the connectorsupplier.com and also product briefs, which talks about individual products. Uh, it's pretty much a, a unique business model in the sense that uh, our employees are pretty much all uh, industry, long-term industry uh, people who have a long history and deep depth into this particular segment. So um, it, it's, it's worked really, really well. And uh, I personally have been in the industry for about 30 years, and I've been with uh, Bishop and Associates for uh, ever since 2000. So I've been initially focused on high-speed backplane and I.O. connectors for about the past 15 years. And then more recently, over the past four or five years, I've really kind of shifted my focus to fiber optics, uh, optical cable interfaces, and uh, silicon photonic packaging. Because uh, there's so much activity in it, and it offers so much uh, headroom in design and performance. Hey, Bob, I want to congratulate you. I think you're the first uh, guest on the Samtech transmission line that's ever mentioned Molex. So we really appreciate that. <laughs> we know it was we know it wasn't on purpose so we'll forgive you but uh, but no I, I appreciate that you that you shared that because you know one of the things that we love about it, one of the things that we love at, at samtech about bishop and associates is 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 that you're one of the best resources in the industry uh to give uh straightforward information that's not biased from from any one one supplier or one one company or or, or one one vent uh, or one angle so you know you know, one of the things that we're always that we always benefit from from the reports that uh, Bishop comes out, and, and especially a lot of your work is you know where the market's at. So you know, based on on your viewpoint, maybe you know what are you seeing that's 
kind of the baseline for where we're at for 23? And then, you know, do you have any uh, prognosis for, for where the industry is going into 2024? Absolutely. Um, actually, 2023 has been kind of disappointing in terms of uh, performance, but really not unexpected. Uh, a lot of things have been going on this year, obviously, uh, with the global conflicts in Ukraine and in Israel, um, with the conflicts with Russia and uh, North Korea. Um, certainly, we have lingering effects of COVID-19 pandemic. The supply chain is still not fully recovered. Uh, semiconductor shortages still exist, although it's much better than it was at the beginning of the year. Uh, a big issue has been the fact that we've had eight interest rate increases over this year, and that's certainly dampened uh, business for sure. And uh, certainly we have a continuing political squabbling going on in Washington over budgets and uncertainly over the 2024 election. So uh, we're looking optimistically, uh, cautiously optimistically at uh, 2024 with a, a global world forecast of about 5.9% growth, but more recently we've revised that down to 4.7. Uh, we try to be pretty conservative with our forecast moving forward. Uh, so that's what we're looking at right now, but uh, we're thinking over the past few months, we've seen a general uptrend of business levels, and that gives us a little sense of optimism for 2024. So we expect all regions uh, to expect to see that we'll show some growth in 24, unlike 23, where all segments are down. Uh, globally, we see Europe as leading uh, with 5.4% growth, um, China with 5.1%, North America at 4.8%, and Japan coming in at the weakest growth of only about 2.9%. So... Um, we're looking, hopefully, the return the industry to, will return to a, a normal growth rate of about 5.3%, and that's based on uh, 43 years of industry combined average growth rates that we we track. Those are uh, real positive numbers, Bob, and it's it's good to hear that uh, you're forecasting a better year. You know, 23 has been a challenge for a lot of folks, so so it's always good to hear uh, about growth. Um, maybe just a, a follow up point. Um, or just this is maybe a question of curiosity. There's a lot of lot of uh, there's a lot of information in the press about the high growth rates of the semiconductor industry. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of that's being driven by AI. Um, a lot of the a lot of the reports I've seen are forecasting that the the global semiconductor industry uh, is going to hit a trillion dollars here in the next next couple of years. Um, I think we're around six seven hundred million right now, or six hundred seven six or seven hundred billion. Forgive me. Um, just as a just as a, as, a, as, a, as a side, what's the overall interconnect market that, that, uh, that uh, Bishop tracks uh, you know, across the industry? Do you, do you have that number just off the top of your head? Uh, not off the top of my head. I could probably pull it up, but um, I just recently, uh, the, the fact is we've, uh, we've seen a, a relationship between semiconductor sales and connector sales. And uh, it's been a fairly reliable predictor. If semiconductor sales starts to drop, we can generally predict fairly accurately that connector sales will follow to a lesser degree. Uh, this year, again, 23 has been kind of an anomaly in the sense that right now, semiconductor sales are off significantly, uh, probably three or four times what connector sales are off. So there's kind of a discrepancy at this point in time. We would expect it to return to more normal in 2024. But uh, at this point in time, that barometer of, of tracking semiconductor sales uh, it's kind of off track at the moment. Okay. Well, 
well, I appreciate your color on that because I know a lot of folks in, in our industry, you know, use use that as, as a barometer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we can both agree, though, that, uh, you know, maybe transitioning to our next topic, I think we can both agree that one of the levers of growth, I guess you'd say, mm-hmm. uh, in 2023, and really probably the last 18 to 24 months has been all things artificial intelligence, uh, all things AI. And, you know, it, it I agree with you that in general, the semiconductor market as a whole seems to be down. Uh, but when you listen to the NVIDIAs of the world, it seems like all they see is up and to the right. Um, so good for them. And, you know, we've seen Samtech and I think the interconnect industry also has seen, has seen some uh, pockets of growth, pockets of hope, if you will, <laughs> for 2024 yes. around AI, uh, uh, system, uh, AI uh, hardware system design. Um, one of the trends that you, know, you mentioned that you've monitored is, is, is you know, the impact of AI on, on system design, you know, how, how, it's implement, how it's affecting the interconnect industry. So I, I was just wondering, you know, can you expand on those thoughts a little bit? How are you seeing AI impact system design? Well, it, it certainly is. It's impacting almost everything at this point in time. It's just unbelievable how AI has just you know, in a sense, suddenly appeared on the marketplace and uh, it's everywhere. Um, It's expanding and advancing at absolutely unprecedented rate. Um, Interesting enough, for instance, the internet was introduced over a longer period of time, very selectively. It was only available to select institutions, very specific applications. And it was a long time before it became a public domain media. Uh, ChatGPT, on the other hand, became an overnight a hit. It just just suddenly appeared and just has just grown ever since. And uh, at this point in time, we're seeing billions of dollars being sent, uh, spent on AI research, uh, development, and now even hardware. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, there's no question about it. it is number one issue at this point in time because it has the potential impact of, of, of affecting so many areas of our daily lives, essentially. Um, the race for supremacy has already begun, both domestically as well as internationally. So new AI bots are entering the, the market almost weekly. Uh, Grok, which is a strange name, from XAI, and uh, Gemini from Google are some of the most recent examples. Each one saying they get higher performance, faster response, more accurate response, um, and more inter, inter, uh, this uh, ability to communicate on a human level. So, um, and at the same time, chat GPT continues to evolve. So interesting, I read an article just recently about these hallucinations where a chat or any of these bots will create information or provide inaccurate information or just create stuff on its own. And as being, as opposed to being a defect in the system to be worked out, some people are saying that's an indication of creative intelligence. And that would be a step toward general intelligence, where you now have a system that is mimicking the human brain. So it's a little scary. I mean, it's, it's going to be a quick ride because um, things are progressing at an incredible rate. So these large language models are huge and they're growing and they demand very high bandwidth, very low latency and vast amounts of storage. So that results in the growth of very large scale purpose built uh, AI infrastructure. Um, that basically becomes clustered architecture consisting of interconnected uh, collaborative nodes. These devices have to communicate constantly, very quick, and they're compute intensive. 
So there'll be a new generation, it's already in process, of, of computers uh, that will be focused specifically on AI applications. And they do use extensive use of GPU accelerated computing. And NVIDIA has found themselves in an ideal position. I recently attended the uh, supercomputer show here in Denver a few weeks ago, and NVIDIA was all over the place. Um, They're the right place, the right time, right product. And uh, boy, it's, it's pretty impressive. So um, AI is demanding article, uh, is actually driving demand for uh, optical interconnects due to the limitations of copper bandwidth and reach. So we're seeing more interest in active optical cables, uh, pluggable optical IO transceivers, uh, 100, 200, 400, even 800 gig uh, transceivers, uh, co-package optics, which is kind of interesting in a sense in the past, Optics have been pretty much perceived as being a long haul interconnect from uh, cross country or to metro to metro, where you could afford the cost and the uh, expense of the optical transition. So, you know, Bob, it's interesting some of the uh, observations that you're seeing from AI, from AI chipset demand uh, in the industry. And, and I, I agree with you. I, it was nice to see you at uh, Supercomputing, by the way. Uh, we see the demand for NVIDIA everywhere. Um, but in addition, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I think there's going to be a number two player in, in the, in the AI space emerge, you know, who that's going to be. I don't know. I don't know yet. And I, I think everybody's interesting in seeing that, but there's so much demand from the hyperscalers that everyone's looking for more chips, right? It's all based on generative AI. Um, you know, some of the applications, like you mentioned with chat GPT, Grok and, and some of the other things that are coming out in the market. But uh, you also, I, I like how you mentioned that the the, the systems are purpose-built or application-specific uh, based on the language model uh, that the, uh, the end user is using. Uh, and that's something we see too. Um, we're, we've been working with uh, a number of AI chipset providers on helping them to, to bring their system uh, to market quickly. And we have not seen a industry standard form factor within the AI space, save maybe a uh, acceleration platform based on a PCIe, you know, Chem AIC form factor. Uh, so we're just seeing new, new system architectures all over the place, the need for high-speed cabling, the, the need for routing high-speed data, not only from PCB, to, but to system to system. Um, are you seeing some of those trends? And, and, and if so, what, what are some of the things that are, are gonna affect the industry uh, going forward? Are, are, is everything going to be PCB-based? Are we going to get into the cable domain? Is it going to be copper? Is it going to be optical? Well, um, boy, that, that could be a whole topic all by itself. Um, yeah, it's going to change architecture. I've been reading that, yes, uh, the architecture of these systems will be changing. Uh, when you think about it, the original Cray computers, um, uh, we'll get into this a little bit because I have a little bit of information on that. The original comp Cray computers were very tightly packed and they were, they used uh, liquid cooling because they had so much intensity going on that they were generating so much heat that they couldn't cool them effectively. So to some degree, we may be going into that same uh, premise that you have these clustered computers, very intensive computing going on, probably going to be liquid cooled and physically close to each other and uh, drawing a huge amount of current. You know, it's just uh, at that uh, uh, at the uh, supercomputer show, they talked about uh, a server drawing 10,000 watts. 
it just uh, it's just unbelievable that how much power is going to these things are, and that's just that's that's a problem right now from an overall perspective. So um, <laughs> I'm not sure where you want. It's like describe the universe and give two examples. That's 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 what it feels like in this AI hardware ecosystem design, though. Yeah, it's, um, it's I, a and, moving target. So I'm not sure how how you know I, I'm not I'm certainly not at at the point to try to profess an understanding of where this is going to be going. All I know is that um, there are going to be higher speed I/O. There'll be more internal links, um, and uh, they are going to probably go to fiber because of the bandwidth and reach limitations. And uh, they're going to have to come up more efficient uh, cooling systems rather than forced air. I, I think some of the things that we've seen in the AI ecosystem is also also what we're seeing in the in the uh, uh, data center and the supercomputing yes. ecosystem as well too, Bob. Is that yep. there's there's several ongoing trends where as data rates get from fifty six to one twelve, now we're talking about two twenty four. It's how do we route the trace? How do we route traces over longer distances? Yeah. And when I say longer distances, I'm thinking rack, you know, rack scale, bottom of the rack, the top of the rack, uh, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So some of those solutions are copper. Some of those solutions are going to be fiber. So, you know, are you, from your perspective, from Bishop's, Bishop's perspective, you know, what are some of the trends you're seeing there? Well, uh, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting to see where that ends up going. But um, I think there will be more rack-to-rack fiber and certainly intra-rack fiber um, because now they've been able to find out ways, find ways of minimizing that electro-optic conversion power consumption. And there is some delay associated with that, but the reach capability of fiber is so much better uh, than what you can get with copper. And um, as far as print circuit boards themselves, you know, we get into the discussion about transitioning to twin axial cable over the surface of the current circuit board because from what I can see even the most high performance current circuit board material just pooped out it just uh, cannot deliver the, the kind of performance in a reasonable distance uh, that is being required so uh, that concept of flying over the surface with copper uh, and eventually transitioning to fiber over the surface makes all kinds of sense and you know, right now we have uh, co-package optics where you have a common substrate uh, with a ASIC, a high-speed ASIC, uh, with chiplets uh, doing the transition to optics. Uh, at some point in time, you'll be bringing optics directly to the chip itself. That uh, that makes sense, and it's just a matter of time before that technology is available. And it's it's in, I believe it's in the process of rapidly evolving. At least ten years ago, I saw one concept of bringing uh, fiber directly to the chip. But, um, you know, and even the concept of a uh, optical print circuit board where you have a, a planar optical layer, um, I think the possibilities are becoming more likely. It's been talked about for a very long time. But I think that, uh, you know, Kobo is working on, well, what the remnants of Kobo, I think it is, uh, is working on developing a technology that would inject optical signals into the print circuit board, avoiding all the losses of the material. So uh, these are technologies I think that will evolve and are going to be accelerated by the needs and the requirements of uh, AI. I just want to return to the to the subject of talking about thermal management and the power requirements. So we, we've talked about the, the fact that we're potentially moving towards an optical system, but these things are still going to be requiring 
a power and you mentioned that huge 10,000 watts for a, for a server yeah uh, we're talking about an enormous amount of power and generating an enormous amount of of thermal energy um yeah. Do you see any trends in terms of the the connector designs for those and how how people are having to address that power requirement for these servers? Well, I think uh, the connectors themselves have been optimized to have the lowest possible uh, bulk resistance that they can, possibly can. Uh, there's, I think as far as the connector is concerned, for power distribution, uh, there are lots of options that are available and they're using higher con conductivity materials, uh, better contact design, that has less drop across the interface. Um, and in some cases they're using vented connectors uh, so you can get better air circulation. Um, I, I do believe that uh, they're gonna be liquid cooling. It's gonna be either cold plate or I think it's called backdoor uh, uh, heat exchangers and then immersion. You know, uh, We saw that at the design, at the supercomputer show. Uh, immersion systems will require a whole architectural change. There's no question about that. And it'll actually go actually back down to the actual design of the board because now you're immersing the board in a dielectric material that's different than air. And so it'll have an impact on the design of the printed circuit board itself. So the impedance will be changed. So there's implications that go up and down in the design of the system. But uh, uh, another area that I, I discovered that, that's going to be interested is being driven uh, by AI to some degree is this interest in going to disaggregation of a server. Because a typical server has all the components of computation, uh, but they also have uh, memory, uh, has storage, it has I/O interface. Those separations now, those those functions now are being separated into separate components, and particularly memory, because the idea is when you have everything integrated into a server, and the server is not using all the memory that's resident inside of it, it's wasted. It can't be used. It can't be accessed by other systems. But if you have a central uh, uh, memory or, or storage area uh, and it's all accessible by all the servers, now you can do much more efficient utilization of that resource. And so disaggregation makes a whole lot of sense. And I, I'm thinking that's going to change the architecture of a system also. Again, it's going to require more interconnects, more access for each of the servers to be able to get to these services. So... Um, the implications of this are just going up and down the entire design cycle. I, I think what's interesting too, Bob, and I, you know, your observations are spot on. You know, we kind of look at look at it through Samtech's eyes, but it's really good to see that you know what we see and what you see industry wide align. Uh, we are continually challenged by our customers and by our partners to come up with the best interconnect solution connector, RF, copper, optics, whatever it may be, sure. to meet these sure. demands. And, you know, we work within a lot of standards bodies. We're working with the, the technology leaders in Silicon Valley and design centers around the world. There's so much opportunity. There's so much, there's so much that we're on the, the cusp of achieving. But at the same time, there's so much uncertainty because you know, when you mentioned disaggregation, you know, the industry as a whole has been talking about that for years. And it seems like we're just on the cusp of being able to achieve it. But what are the use cases? And, you know, this, I feel like I'm going back to the 90s using this term. What's the killer app that's actually going to drive, you know, this disaggregation? My gut tells me it's AI, right? Because of the need and because of the fact that 
we just can't get enough AI chipsets from NVIDIA and the rest of the industry to meet the demand. And that's not going to change for the next several years. So can you use CXL, the, the advances in fiber optics, the advances in PCI SIG at, at, at the interconnect level to allow these next generation compute architectures to build solutions fast enough to, 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 to support these exponentially growing uh, AI models? Um, I think that's the conundrum that the industry, industry, and when I say industry, the high-speed industry is going to face for the next several years. Yep. Um, I, I believe you're, you're absolutely right. I think uh, that AI represents a disruptive technology, and it's going to shake up the way things have been done for quite some while, and it's going to be in, in multiple areas. Uh, you know, cer certainly, I, fiber, uh, it's going to be the answer in a lot of cases. Certainly not all, but a lot of cases, and it's a technology now that is becoming economically viable at this point in time. Um, but you know, like the power issue, um, that that's that's a biggie. Uh, they recognize you just cannot sustain that the, the current rate of increase, um, and that that'll influence uh, the whole way systems are architected. So, um, yeah, I, I I personally think that AI will be that one, you know, prime application that will stimulate a whole different generation of, of equipment and the way design systems are designed. It's kind of an exciting period of time. I, I kind of, I'm really looking forward to it. I was really excited with what I saw at the uh, SC show. Couldn't agree with you more, Bob. <laughs> what I got to say, Bob, thank you so much for that. That's, uh, that's given certainly me a whole new view on on some of the stuff ai is something we've been talking about matt and i we've, we've talked about it before and and i know it's been a subject that this year has has really kicked off um but there's certainly a whole bunch of concepts that are in that conversation that's that's made, given me an, a new perspective on some of those challenges that we face in the interconnected industry to be able to design products that support this new architecture so bob thank you so much for being with us and giving us this insight and, and i think it to anybody listening i think it gives them the understanding of, of the power that bishop have the, the fact that there is an organization that can look at the interconnect industry from a, a high level and and give the overview of what's going on and having that finger on the pulse of of how things are going it's very easy for us at samtech to to view the interconnect world through our own little channel um, and to see how the the whole industry is being affected by these larger trends that are going on, I think is fantastic. So for everybody listening, certainly go and have a quick look at Bishop and see at some of those services that Bishop is providing and, and some of the information that's available. Um, thank you so much for, for being with us, Bob. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening. This is a, a big topic. So if you've got anything you want to tell us, anything that you want to get involved with, please, by all means, leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on on how the industry is being shaped by some of these mega trends. We look forward to welcoming you onto the next podcast. But in, in the meantime, uh, please share us with your colleagues, leave us a like, and maybe subscribe to the channel so that you can find out when we're releasing new podcasts. Um, tune in next time. We look forward to meeting you and uh, speaking to you again. Thanks, everyone.